My guest, Jeremiah Johnson, says it's time for judgment to begin on the house of God, but there's a promise with it too. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today, friends. We are going to have a very important and edifying conversation today, one that I believe will be challenging, one that hopefully will take you deeper in God. My guest, Jeremiah Johnson, is a good friend. We've ministered side by side on quite a few occasions now and spent some great time sharing the Word, sharing our hearts together. His newest book speaks about judgment on the house of God but with a promise that God wants to bring cleansing, and with that, a fresh wave of revival and glory. Hey, Jeremiah, thanks for being back on the air with us today. Dr. Brown, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, my joy. Uh, Jeremiah, there's a lot of questioning today about prophetic ministry and how real it is. And before we talk about your book and, and what you believe God is saying to the Church, I wonder off the top of your head— if you could just share a few instances, your own experience, where God spoke something to you for someone else that was very supernatural, or God spoke something to you that was shared before it happened that was very supernatural. Just share a couple of stories. I, I, I want to increase the faith of our, of our viewers and listeners. I want them to, to understand how real prophetic ministry is today. Sure, I would love to. Um, you know, I have been you know, ministering around the, the nation in America and around the, the nations of the earth for really the last 12 years now. And, you know, I have uh, planted uh, a church, Heart of the Father Ministry, and, you know, even even the gift of, of prophecy that the Lord has given me has, um, you know, flowed many times even in a pastoral sense. Uh, just off the top of my head, we had uh, a couple uh, that were part of our congregation that could not get pregnant for more than seven years. And I had had a dream uh, one night uh, where I had seen this woman, uh, the couple that could not get pregnant. And um, I just had a dream where I laid hands, uh, my hands on her husband's hands on her womb and commanded life to come forth and uh, woke up from the dream that Sunday I asked him to put his hands on her stomach. I put my hands over his and said, in the name of Jesus, I command life to come forth. And uh, they had a beautiful baby girl uh, about nine months later. And so that is that those kinds of stories from just people that we have pastored and uh, grown up with um, here the last 12 years, there are so many of those stories. And then, of course, on more of a national, international level. I've had uh, many dreams about different, um, you know, um, issues regarding politics. Um, many of the, I've been on your show talking about Donald Trump and many of the, the dreams and visions that God has given me there. And so whether it's on a, a personal level or on a corporate level, um, I've been dreaming since I was uh, a little boy and um, just just seen uh, many powerful words of knowledge, um, miraculous healings, 
um, a lot of great things. And, and what about maybe with a stranger, either at a public meeting somewhere or someone that you just meet in a store? Has, has the Lord ever given you something for someone in a setting like that? Sure, yeah. I, I was just recently at, at a store um, and began to get a, a headache, and there was a woman right in front of me um, who I knew the headache I just sensed in the moment. It just kind of came out of nowhere, which I would believe this was a word of knowledge. So I just asked her, ma'am, do you struggle with migraine headaches? And she said, yes. And I just asked her, hey, could I pray for you? And just said, in the name of Jesus, I command these headaches to leave you. And instantly they were gone. And I just touched base with her and she still has not had a headache since. And so I, I don't mean to dramatize or, or talk up prophetic ministry, but uh, these sorts of things happen to me on almost a weekly, daily basis. Yeah, and, and see, that's what's really important for people to understand, Jeremiah, that, you know, there's a lot of talk now, well, what about the virus, and why didn't all these prophets see the virus coming, or who did see it, and, and back and forth on that. And, and that's something we can, we can discuss, and even some of your concerns, larger concerns about prophetic ministry today, we, we've talked about that many a time. But God, God does so many things on a regular basis, and we hear his voice in different ways, and he reveals himself supernaturally, that even if we have questions about why we didn't see a particular thing coming, it's hard to deny the reality of the Spirit's work in our lives on a very regular basis— and, and as you've ministered in these ways, and I've been with you in meetings where, where you've ministered in these ways, um, what do you understand to be the role of prophetic ministry today, both the gift of prophecy within the body and then those called to be New Testament prophets? Yeah, my understanding of the gift of prophecy I get from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, also Joel chapter 2, you know, just starting with Joel, he prophesied that God would out his spirit, that there would be, you know, dreams, visions, and prophecy. And so I, I believe from the time of Acts 2, we're, we're at Pentecost and really moving forward, that there is a an, a, an availability uh, for all those who might receive and believe for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That includes uh, prophecy, dreams, and visions. You know, there are uh, many people who have never um, had a dream at night, and because I have been dreaming at night since I was really young, they will sleep at my home in our guest bedroom, and for the very first time will have a dream at night. And I, I attribute, attribute that to the, the uh, anointing that God has given me for dreams. Even in our home, when people come and sleep that don't dream, they dream. And to me, that's part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in dreams. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 prophecy is for the, the strengthening, the comfort, the encouragement of God's people, uh, both here locally and nationally. Uh, I have seen uh, God use uh, people in words of knowledge and wisdom and discernment and even prediction, um, ju just in a, a more comforting, encouraging, I, I call it more of a general and a spontaneous way, where then where we actually have the, the New Testament prophets ministry, I believe that, you know, they're called to train and equip the body. I believe that they help the body to hear the voice of God for themselves. Um, I believe that they not only operate in the 
gift of prophecy, but they'll carry seasonal prophetic burdens and messages from God to the wider church and even sometimes to the nations. And I've, I've often said that the, the prophet may be much more, uh, bring their emphasis, may be much more the word of the Lord as opposed to words from the Lord. And I also believe that they can operate in prophetic warning and rebuke. I have often said they, they can flow in correction, prediction, and direction versus those that have the gift of prophecy. That's available to all believers, but the New Testament prophet, he's given to some. And so I, I myself, um, you know, have uh, trained and equipped and helped to pour into not only believers with the gift of prophecy, but I've also traveled and ministered with many New Testament prophets. And, and Jeremiah, for you personally, what does it cost you? When you get a word, when you get burdened, uh, is it just something, hey, praise the Lord, I just got another word, I got to share this? Or if maybe there's a, a word of judgment, say, the burden you got to write the book, Judgment on the House of God, that, that I wrote a special introduction for as well. It so resonated with, with my own heart. When you get burdened, what does it do to you? What effect does it have on you? How do you respond to it? Well, you know, as a married man and a father of four, probably the great difficulty of my life has been learning how to steward some of these dreams and visions and words that can be uh, so heavy and so uh, impactful. I've uh, just, you know, many times if a hard word comes, I feel like the Lord tells me to fast and pray, uh, to test the spirit behind my own prophecy, uh, to put myself in, in the person's shoes, or maybe even a nation's shoes that I'm about to give a word to. So I think that there's a real, um, you know, inner working. It, it weighs on your emotions, you know, in Jeremiah 20, you know, Jeremiah comes before the Lord and, and, and talks, you know, just pouring out his heart, almost feeling like, Lord, you know, you, you, you tricked me. And in other words, I don't, I don't even want this. And, you know, Dr. Brown, I've often said people, people that want to be prophets probably aren't because they mm -hmm. really don't know the price. They, they don't know the anguish and the fellowshipping with the emotions of God as Abraham Heschel would say, he wrote a, a great book called the prophet. So it's um it, it it's been a a journey for me just learning how to the ebb and flow and the burden and oftentimes just you know saying Lord I I don't like this I don't want this but I know this is a gift that you've given me not for me but for your body. Yeah, uh, you know, having lived with Jeremiah for several years, writing a commentary on the Book of Jeremiah gave me even a greater sense of identification and. You know, there's a tension that you live with in prophetic ministry. You think of the Old Testament prophets, when you're gripped, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when you can do no other than speak, there's something very holy and sacred about that. But then, often the words are words of judgment, which you don't want to come to pass. So there's that tension of you want to be true and know that what you're hearing from God is real, but then if it comes to pass, it's agonizing. So just make it some kind of lightweight thing. Hey, man, the Lord just showed me something. Hey, that's cool. I just went to heaven, came back. 
that something always disturbs me when I hear people talk that lightly. You know, A.W. Tozer, based on Isaiah, the sixth chapter, uh, and the seraphim that were covering themselves, said when you come out of the presence of God, you cover yourself. There's a, there's a modesty that comes out of that. And uh, judgment on the house of God, cleansing and glory are coming. That's our focus, friends. When we come back, I'm speaking with Jeremiah Johnson about prophetic ministry. And, and yes, we will discuss uh, the dream that Jeremiah published about Dr. Fauci or the enemy trying to work through him, my video and article about don't throw him under the bus. We have both been getting swarmed with questions. Are you disagreeing with each other? Is there conflict there? Are you listening to each other? So we're, we're just going to share our perspectives on that. The new book, Judgment on the House of God by Jeremiah Johnson. We'll be right back. With your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. I'm speaking with my good friend, Jeremiah Johnson, author of the new book, Judgment and the House of God, also with the promise that cleansing and glory are coming. Uh, Jeremiah, you've, you've written a lot about prophetic ministry today, and you've been very burdened about the state of things, as well as the state of the church. What's your focus now in the new book, Judgment on the House of God? Judgment on the House of God, the book came forth out of a supernatural encounter that I had at the end of 2018, where two angels appeared to me in a dream. One was an angel of glory, uh, dressed in bright yellow colors, golden, and the other angel had a bluish look to him, and he was carrying a broom. And God began to talk to me in this dream, Dr. Brown, and he said, there, there is a boom that's coming to the upper room, but before the boom comes, there must be the broom, which is what the cleansing angel was carrying And God began to talk to me, and and as you mentioned, I do believe that there is this great promise that just as the the disciples after the the death and resurrection of Christ gathered in the upper room and tarried, and there was a a type of of, of Pentecost, an outpouring that, that came, God is saying that there is a realm of revival and awakening and outpouring that is going to come, a glory but the, the angel was very clear to me in, in the dream that with without the broom, there will be no boom. And so what, what really began to stir in me as I wrote this book, at the end of the dream, what came to me was Ezekiel 44. And so I, I have written this book using Ezekiel 44 as the framework where God began to come and cleanse his house in the days of Ezekiel. And part of the judgment that was on the, the, the house of Israel during Ezekiel's day was that they were allowed to minister to one another. But then it says that there were the sons of Zadok who were called to minister before the Lord. And I believe that 
one of the main points of judgment that is currently on the house of God and why we need cleansing is that there is such an emphasis on horizontal um, ministry where we have been given over to so much entertainment and focus on people, and we've got to begin to cry out for God to come and cleanse and judge His Church so that He can raise up the sons of Zadok who can minister to the Lord, which represents that vertical ministry that we might minister to Him. And so there's various, you know, this book, I really bore my heart I know that you commented on on your introduction. I wrote a chapter called uh, Ministry Addiction, where I even talked about my own journey being so involved in ministry and how easy it is to become focused on people rather than focused on the Lord. So it was out of that encounter with the two angels, that word about the broom coming before the upper room, and then the Ezekiel 44 passage that really laid the framework for this book. Yeah, and, and reading Ministry Addiction is certainly convicting because it's much easier to go about doing the work of ministry than to minister to the Lord and to shut yourself in with Him. It's it's easier to, to run and to do rather than to, to be. So I, I found it like with some of the other books that you've written— that I've read or forwarded or endorsed, that it very much speaks my heart and very much carries my burden. On the one hand, there is a promise that God really wants to move, but Jeremiah, there has to be a lot of repenting in the midst of the body today, and the message of holiness is still not popular. Yes, and it's it's that, you know, my namesake, Jeremiah, you know, for maybe those who aren't listening you know, or, or are listening now that maybe not, might not know my story. You know, when, when I was in my mom's womb, she had had a dream, and the Lord told her to name me Jeremiah. And I, I feel like, Dr. Brown, I've been on this journey learning and studying the life of Jeremiah, but even what we're talking about now, I'm thinking of Jeremiah too. you know, where Jeremiah cries out in his generation and you know, he's talking on behalf of the Lord, you know, what what have you found in me, says the Lord, where, where you've chastened after worthless things, you know, you've dug cisterns for yourself. He's crying out to them to come back to their first love. I remember the devotion of your youth, and so I, I believe that the Lord through, through Jeremiah and the Word, maybe through a Jeremiah like me, is, is calling out, crying out to the Church, inviting us back to the, 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 the source of all life and all ministry. There's a fresh call for intimacy. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful right now, even in the midst of the pandemic and the virus, that there's even like this sense of a divine reset where God is calling his messengers back to the secret place, the place of prayer and fasting for some, and just really, really getting his heart and getting his burden right now. Yeah, and and as much as I'm concerned about people who are sick or dying and concerned about people who are struggling financially, so it's a difficult time for many, but for me it's the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm traveling less now than I have in decades 
with everything just canceled for a few months periods, I'm uh, on my knees, on my face again today. God, I got to seize this moment just to get with you and get your perspective and 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 step away from the busyness of of life. So, friends, uh, you got time to read now. Get the book Judgment on the House of God, but but it comes with a promise. So, as much as we're burdened, I've been burdened for decades about the state of America. You've been burdened about the state of America and the Church of America as long as you've been ministering. We both have a sense of hope that it's it's not too late. Do you believe that even now God wants to send a great awakening to our nation? Yes, yes. I, I, I am fully confident to, to a people, I, I've been oftentimes calling them the remnant but I believe that that there are people in the earth who have their priorities straight that are contending for a true outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, the last chapter in this book, I, I asked the Lord, is there any way to escape the coming judgment? And God said to me, there's only one way. And he said to me, build my house of prayer. And I just, I really believe that, you know, we know Jesus cleansed the temple twice at the beginning and at the end of his, his ministry. I do believe that as, as we purify, as we repent, as we get cleansed, that it is, it is as we, we build the house of prayer, if you will, which to me speaks of the life of brokenness and holiness. I, I believe that there's a a special, unique type of anointing and the fire of God that's going to rest upon a remnant, upon messengers that are going to seek the face of God. I, I'm very, I'm very, very. Uh, there's a, a realm of sobriety that I'm walking in right now, but there's also a realm of hope and eager expectation that's really been stoking my fire lately. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. We've got about a minute and a half before the break, Jeremiah, but uh, you felt the Lord showed you something about baby boomers. Could you share that succinctly? Yeah, so the the, the baby boomers, I have had written another book uh, called Trump and the Future of America, but God had said to me that the future of America is in the hands of the baby boomers, those born between 1946 and 1964, and I just believe that there's a there's an anointing on the boomers in America, and even you know COVID nineteen. The New York Post ran something calling COVID nineteen the boomer remover, and so I believe even this virus is coming to contend against a group of people that God wants to use in the earth and in a mighty way. Yeah. So it's it, the joining of the generations remains important, and and those you think well it's just a, a, a young person's world. Well, thank God for the young people, but the the older have a unique heritage at this time as well. Um, actually, we, we've got just a, a drop more time here. When when you talk about the sobriety that you're walking in, and yet there's a sense of hope. Do you think that? Most of the Church of America is sober enough and and crying out enough, or does the shaking purging need to go deeper? No, I believe it has to go deeper. I believe a large portion of the the global American church is not in touch with reality that is consumed 
with more of a horizontal focus on people. You know, there's a ministry to people, and then there's a ministry to God, and I believe that while there is a remnant, I would say much larger is a church that's out of touch with reality that God is going to begin to wake up. Yeah, and and we're praying fervently, friends, in the midst of the current pandemic, the current crisis, that, that God really would speak, that God really would act, that God would shake his church. Look, if we don't wake up now with church buildings being closed down and entertainment being shut down and so much of life turned upside down, if we don't wake up now and begin to seek God earnestly, you think we will when everything gets, quote, back to normal? All right, we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about our perspectives on Dr. Fauci, how to pray about things in politics, more about the book Judgment on the House of God, and then the question... Why does it seem that many prophets today didn't see the virus coming? Fair question to ask. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Looking at a Facebook comment, Katya said, The Candy Church will not hold to the tempest storms ahead. We need the full counsel of God to be strong and our identity and authority. Better believe that as things shake, it's the righteous who are grounded in God, in His Word, in holy living and intimacy with God, the righteous will never be shaken. My guest, Jeremiah Johnson, has written a brand new book, Judgment on the House of God, but also with the promise of cleansing and glory to come. Uh, Jeremiah, share from your heart, just talk to pastors and leaders who are listening. Uh, in, in the spirit of what you wrote in that book, would you just share what's on your heart for pastors and leaders today? Sure. Well, first of all, I, I would say that that I am one of you. Um, you know, many might know me as a, a prophet that travels around the nation, but having planted a church and now having two campuses, I fully understand and know uh, what it's like to uh, not only pioneer and shepherd uh, people, but also walk alongside of them. So the first thing that I would say is uh, I am one of you. I do uh, have on uh, an understanding of how important uh, the hurting and the broken and the suffering really are. Uh, but I would also uh, then say, you know, part of what uh, Paul instructed uh, Timothy uh, to do and, and much of the early uh, apostles and the elders uh, was, was the importance of, of the study of God's Word and prayer. And so even as leaders, as pastors who oftentimes have a heart and a burden for the people that we have to always keep ministry to God as the number one priority. You know, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And so I, I really do understand the challenge and the difficulty of the, of the day in and day out ministry and the needs and the calls and the hospitals and all of those things, but yet I believe God is still calling out to the shepherds of the flock. He's calling out to the fivefold ministry, saying, you know, sons and daughters, you know, yes, 
the needs of the people are important, but that should never be an excuse for why you're not spending time in my council. And so I myself have been on that journey. I believe when they read my chapter on ministry addiction, that many pastors and leaders can relate. And then I believe that prophetically God has called me, and I hope that they will give me an opportunity to, to speak uh, some encouragement and maybe some challenge to them to make necessary adjustments to position ourselves. There is no coming glory without the cleansing, and so we can pray and long for revival and awakening, but if we do not spend time on our knees, if we do not live a life of holiness and prayer, I, I believe that, that our hopes and desires for more are in serious jeopardy. Mm. You know, I, I've been preaching more on the theme of God coming as a refiner's fire from Malachi 3, and then reemphasized in different ways in the New Testament. It's a, th- a theme that's kind of been a life message, and I've been preaching on it more. And, you know, when, when you throw the gold and silver into the refiner's fire, it looks great. But then you suddenly see all these impurities coming to the surface, and that's what we don't like about repentance, that it brings the junk up to the surface. And I had just preached on this to a a fine, thriving congregation in California, went back to my hotel room, and was on my knees spending some time before the Lord late at night, and suddenly all this immaturity and carnality and and, uh, just junk was like coming into my mind and all these thoughts, you know, just very, very fleshly thoughts. I don't mean sexual in nature or, or hateful in nature, just like very fleshly about wanting to be first. Or I thought, where, what is this? This is the most sick stuff. And, you know, Lord, I've been in you, walking with you almost 50 years. And I, I was, I mean, I journaled it. I was crying over it, like, Lord, what is this? And then I realized you just preached about refiner's fire. You're praying for God to take you deeper. So when this stuff comes to the surface, you see it in all of its ugliness, you know, in ways that we wouldn't normally do it, which is is uncomfortable. So repentance is often painful, but then what comes out of it, the cleansing, is beautiful. Yes, yes, it's... uh... People, you know, we've already had some people that won't even, you know, consider buying the book, if, if you will, because uh, it says judgment on the house of God. And I, I've been trying to, no, we need this. You know, it, it, we, we need the discipline, the correction, the chastise. It's a sign that he loves us, that he wants the, the absolute best for us. And so I just, I really, I really hope that the church would wake up and recognize uh, the, the blessing of the redemptive judgment of God. He does do it for our good and for his glory and his kingdom. Yeah, a- amen. And again, the subtitle of the book, which is actually bigger on the cover as I look at it, Cleansing and Glory are Coming. So, Jeremiah, we've both been getting bombarded with texts and messages and emails and social media, you know, or uh, people have been rebuking me. You didn't listen to Prophet Jeremiah Johnson, and people are writing to you. Are, are you and Dr. Brown in conflict? So we're we're friends, and we're 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 good friends. We have a, a very honest and and candid relationship with one another, and and I, I love ministering together with you. Always here for you, as you know. But you had you had uh, put out a dream that you had uh, that involved Dr. Fauci, 
And then, I don't know, maybe a week or two after that, I had responded to where I felt the media was trying to drive a wedge between the president and, and Fauci that wasn't there and put out a video just dealing with that subject, saying, I'm not saying, I don't know the man personally, I'm just making this, this judgment, don't throw him under the bus. So could you share your perspective? And if you were concerned in sharing it, if it might lead to, to people demonizing Dr. Fauci? Sure. And I, I thank you for the opportunity, Dr. <laughs> Brown, to kind of just share a little bit more of, of my heart. You know, I, I had this dream on, on March the 30th, um, kind of, you know, early on, no, um, no uh, prior knowledge or information about the man. Um, just simply, as I mentioned, I've been getting um, political dreams and things into the Trump presidency since 2015 ha- have felt like the Lord has called me as a watchman on the wall, specifically in the United States. But, you know, I had just uh, had a had a dream where I was in a press conference with Mike Pence, um, Donald Trump, and this man, Dr. Fauci. And um, in the dream, this Dr. Fauci just, to my shock, turned into a, a, a life-size big rat. And I had ran to the side of the stage and and saw a line of men. Uh, most of them were not American, uh, almost Asian-looking, dressed in fine clothes, were, were standing behind him, handing him cash. And I heard God speak to me in the dream and said, there is a plot to turn the president into a political puppet when I've given him a prophetic anointing to decree with authority, God said to me that the month of April would determine the reelection of Donald Trump, that there was a satanic agenda being loosed upon the U.S. to cripple the economy and even turn the people back uh, against the president. God spoke to me about the time frames. Um, he, he even said, watch the states. COVID-19 has opened up the door for mutiny in the United States, that the governors would oppose the president. And, and I, won't, I won't go further into the dream, but even as, as, as early as yesterday, Fox News ran uh, a live television uh, uh, a clip, and it literally said on there, governors proclaim mutiny against the president, the, the exact phrase that God had given me in the dream. And so what, what I had, when I had published this dream, of course, I, I, this is not the first time I've published something. This dream got 1.2 million views. I mean, it mm. went viral, but my, my concern going in, and I did put publish this, is that this was not an attempt to demonize this man, um, I very much believe the Lord was was talking in a symbolic nature. Although I felt compelled when I released it to mention his name, so that people would know how to pray. I feel as a as a prophet of the Lord, Doctor Brown, I've been called to help people prepare for the days ahead, and so. I felt like what the Lord was saying primarily in the dream was that there was a fight over authority. You know, the the name Fauci literally means mouth, and that we also know that 2020 is the Chinese New Year of the rat. 
And so I believe that there's a lot of prophetic symbolism involved here that God had called me to put people on the alert. But as I said then, and I will say now publicly, that I, I am not after this man. I, I'm, I, I just simply believe that there is an agenda that God is trying to expose, and I believe he has exposed it so that we might know how to pray. Got it. And uh, again, I wanted, <clears throat> I wanted you to hear Jeremiah's heart and what he shared and why. And uh, on, on my end, when I feel led to address something, it's, it doesn't come, say, with the, the drama of the dream or angelic visitation, but just overwhelming burdens I get, intense burning word that, that I just feel I have to speak, or just something God lays on my heart as a communicator and, and radio host and servant of the Lord to, to speak. I just felt it was important to point out what the media was doing and, and the, the way that Fauci was being presented and I thought, well, hey, we're we're both big big boys here, and there's a big church out here. We can we can share what we share, and we each have a, a perspective to bring. So I, it's not like I check with Jeremiah first, or he checks with me first, you know. And, unless we want, hey, pray about this. I'm sensing something, and would you would you give me your prayerful sense? Do you bear witness with this, you know, for for accountability or or bouncing things off one another? We've done that many times. Major decisions we we've talked through and and prayed about, but in this case. I was giving my perspective, which addressed one very different subject, and Jeremiah's burden, which addressed a different subject. And then in every case, we're praying, God, your will be done. God, your kingdom purpose fulfilled. You have a plan. You have a plan. And it's all through imperfect human beings on this earth. You have a plan. Bring your plan to pass for the best interest of your kingdom in this nation. Hey, Jeremiah, if you can hang on one more break, I still want to get to one last question with you. The new book, Judgment on the house of God, cleansing and glory are coming. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, uh, a few days ago I put out a video with my take about the alleged prophecy from David Wilkerson in 1986 about a plague coming that would strike New York City especially hard, that would turn America to God in repentance, that bars would be closed and churches would be closed and that pastors would be preaching repentance and that out of this a great awakening would come. It was released publicly by Mike Evans, who's a friend of mine as well. As I said, we see each other very rarely, but we are friends and colleagues. I reached out to him. Can you verify the note, how you received this? Because no one in the Wilkerson family knew about it. And uh, although I was skeptical initially just because we couldn't verify it, I, I didn't believe Mike would manufacture it. He sent me a copy of the note he had taken down that day with David in 1986. I, I believe, personally, believe it's true. In 2001, believe July of 2001, David Wilkerson had a deep sense of something coming to New York and, and canceled meetings and said, we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. And they gathered in the sanctuary, sometimes just sat quietly in the fear of the Lord. And then, of course, September 11th hits New York that very year. Uh, God does these kinds of things where he warns in advance, speaks in advance. Uh, many people first heard the name of my guest, Jeremiah Johnson, 
when he had a word about Donald Trump. Uh, this is one of the early words about Trump, and he's had some words of warning about Trump as well. He's, he's not just been some Republican Party prophet. Uh, but Jeremiah, with the different words you've had, with so many warnings you had, and, and yes, you said many things over the years about God shaking America, purging America, it seems that there are a lot of contemporary prophets today, but there was not a, a clear word spoken in advance that this virus is coming. And, and a lot of skeptics are saying, well, why, why would that be if these people are really hearing God? Why would that be? What's been your own take, maybe broadly for the prophetic movement as a whole or personally in your own life? Dr. Brown, I, I, I appreciate this opportunity. It's been a burden on my heart. I believe that, that some of these questions are, are, I believe, perhaps asking the wrong thing. And what I mean by that is I believe New Testament prophets, they have the capability of correcting, directing, and predicting but I believe that the predicting ministry is, is the least amount of function in the New Testament prophet, where I mm-hmm. believe that, that if they're functioning, they're primarily bringing correction when or rebuke when necessary, and then bringing direction to the body. But the predictive nature, so when people ask, you know, why, why wasn't there more you know, there's a virus going to come, it's going to come. I've been telling people, I I don't believe that's the primary function of prophets, and and the burden that I have is that if if any, if there's any predicting that, that I believe should be going on, when I read the New Testament and I read the warnings about the future, I see warnings concerning the doctrine of Christ. And so as a, as a watchman on the wall, I'm concerned that so many people are worried about predictions of future events that we don't realize the swirl of deception and torrent concerning the person of Christ. And so my word to the prophetic movement or to people that are watching is we actually need prophets in the body who are Christ-centered. You know, Revelation says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So I, I'm more for, for I, I would like to see us get back to Christ, and if we have warnings, rather than warning about famines or plagues, we need to be warning people about the deception concerning Christ. Listen, why, I can warn people or not warn people about the future, but that's not going to affect where they spend eternity. But as a watchman and a prophet, if I don't warn the people and accurately predict deception concerning Christ, then it's going to affect eternity. So that's what I have had in my heart to share with those asking. Yes, you might have a Wilkerson prophecy. Yes, you, you might, you know, it, it, it is possible, predictive prophecy, but it, it should not be the overarching um, um, mandate of a New Testament prophet. If we're going to get into prediction, we should really be concerned about the Scriptures regarding the deception concerning the last days of Christ. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Just another reminder of, of uh, why we've worked together as much as we have 
in recent years in terms of where the focus must be. It's not to say God won't speak, and, and I do believe when we get to the very, very last days uh, on the earth and there are specific divine judgments coming in conjunction with calls to repent, then, then it's, it's all the more necessary. You know, with the, the, the final plagues at the end of the age, I don't believe we're there at this point. So would you then say, we're not naming names, but would you then say that there is often a superficiality, a flakiness, a sensationalism, often associated with prophetic ministry that is really foreign to the spirit of the Word? Absolutely. I I personally believe that much of the prophetic ministry going on in the body of Christ is borderline psychic reading. I call it fortune cookie prophecy. I believe that much of what we have allowed to pass as prophetic in the body of Christ has greatly damaged authentic and true prophecy. But again, take hope. I believe that God is calling forth real and authentic messengers centered on Christ and the Word that are going to root and ground a generation for the shaking that's coming. Amen. So be it. And, and Lord, whatever you need to do to bring that to pass in each of us, bring it to pass. That's our prayer. Friends, the new book, Judgment on the House of God, Cleansing and Glory are Coming by Jeremiah Johnson. Thanks for writing it. Thanks for being faithful to the Lord. Look forward to seeing you face-to-face pretty soon. Thank you, Doc. God bless. All right. Um, Do I have time to share this? I'm going to try. I want you to know how real prophetic ministry is today. And I I just want to share this instance. I I know the family personally, okay? I, I know these details personally. And I asked Aaron Kreider, worship leader at FIRE for nine years, grad from our ministry school, know him and his wife Holly well over the years, watched their family grow. I asked him to share this incident that happened in his life. He said, Holly and I were both at the altar at Brownsville during the Brownsville Revival, late 1990s, one night in separate locations. We both felt like the Lord spoke to us on the same night that we were going to have a son named Samuel. We, when we told each other the next day, we were shocked to hear that the Lord had spoken to us the same thing. More than 10 years went by where we lost two to miscarriage and one son in early labor, and we were there with them as these things happened. When we lost the little boy in early labor, I literally had the thought as Holly was holding him, God's promise is dead. We even made the decision after that that if we did have a son in the future, we were not going to name him Samuel. About a year later, we found out that Holly was pregnant again, and we were just terrified. A few weeks before she was full term, Pastor Dusty Kemp asked me to come lead worship for a conference where Cindy Jacobs was the speaker. I didn't want to go, but Holly thought I should. I was afraid to go in case she went into early labor again and we lost another. Cindy was late arriving, so we only met each other with a handshake as I walked out of Dusty's office to the platform. She knew absolutely nothing about me. At the end of worship, I hurried off the platform to go call Holly to make sure she was okay. When I heard Cindy in the microphones say, hey, worship guy, come back. I have a word for you. Honestly, Aaron said, I was annoyed. I just wanted to go call Holly. As soon as I stepped back onto the platform and it felt like I had literally stepped into an electricity field, she pointed her finger in my face and said, I don't know what this means, but all through worship, I just heard the Lord say, with the birth of this son, he is a Samuel and your wife is a Hannah and she has wept and cried for this promised son. 
she then just prophesied over the man of God that Samuel would be in the future and summed it up with this. I even think that this Samuel's middle name should be David. That's the middle name that we were planning. This word completely confirmed the word God originally spoke to us that we had begun to doubt through tragedy. Samuel was born a couple weeks later completely healthy. Friends, I know these people. I I know the situation with Aaron and Holly and their family in detail, and we agonize with them through the miscarriages and the other losses, okay? We know these things that happened. And here God speaks to both of them independently about having a boy. They'd had a couple of girls up to then, having a boy, naming him Samuel, then two miscarriages, then early labor, losing the boy, and holding him. And I remember Aaron feeling the promise is dead. The promise is dead. It's not going to happen. And here someone doesn't know them at all, which I can also verify, doesn't know them, doesn't know anything about them, has this word, even gets the middle name, and then the the baby born healthy, and what is he, that's 10 years ago plus. See, even when I see a lot of flaky stuff out there that grieves me, flaky stuff done in the name of prophecy and the prophetic, and worst of all, people being manipulated for money through the so-called prophetic, things that have grieved me, that I've written about and spoken about for years, things that are an embarrassment to me as a servant of God and representative of Jesus when I see certain things on TV and in public ministry. And yet I know the reality of God speaking today. I've experienced it in my own life. I've seen him do these things. And stories like that can be multiplied endlessly. God is moving. Take hold of the precious, that which is wrong, that which is unscriptural, discard. But don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Friends, my new book, When the World Stops, coming out in six days. Just a reminder.